0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast. I'm your host, Brian.
1: Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, and I'm Zach.
0: Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters. Then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Uh, glad you could join us. Um, as always, again, joined by Zach and Roberts. Hola. And uh, I think we're kind of switching gears again a little bit. We're going to revisit um, some parables, uh, I think, tonight. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I won't spend too much time uh, here, (laughs) so I will let you guys get started. All right. So uh, as he said, um,
2: hopefully my voice uh, manages to uh, hold together, unlike last week where I had a coughing fit and had to leave. But um, um, so tonight we're going to be focusing on the parables. And I'm focusing on the parable of the net. Um, Because a lot of times, a lot of people get caught up um, in the idea that Jesus, you know, he just talked about love and he was this, you know, this guy, he was all for peace. and, 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 And while there are elements of that is true, you know, he did talk about, you know, like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. He certainly did talk about and teach on love and things of that nature. But he also talked about judgment. And specifically the one that I'm talking about today is the parable of the net. And uh basically in a nutshell, um he goes Jesus this is Jesus, um, after he talks about two different uh parables, talking about how the kingdom of heaven is, is like a um a hidden treasure or the pearl of great value, how, you know, basically sold everything and to acquire this field so that they can get the treasure or whatever. Talking about how, how important the kingdom of heaven is. Um, this parable, the parable of the net, is talking about how, like, um, essentially, uh, talking about the judgment, like how at the end of the age, um, the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, a great net being cast out into the sea, and it gathers up all kinds of fish. It gathers up fish that um, uh, of great value and 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 bad fish, so to speak. And that the um, angels will basically separate the good from the evil, or the righteous from the evil, and th- those that are evil uh, will be thrown into a fiery furnace, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in other words, again, this is Jesus talking about the coming judgment of um, it being a very real thing, um, talking about there's a great multitude of, um, of a catch, so to speak, in this net, and that the angels will separate the good fish or the righteous fish from the evil fish. And of course, you know, in most societies, most uh, instances, they don't like to say, you know, like that Jesus talked about heaven and hell and and those things. But the reality of it is, this is a clear example. This is a clear um, showing of where that is not the case. He actually did teach on um, judgment coming and there being a separation between righteous and evil. Um, and, And... I look at it in in the sense that you know this is the example of where you have people who have chosen to love God and trust in his solution and therefore they're righteous not because of anything they've done but because what Christ has done on their behalf and then you have the evil uh those who don't want God don't want to be around God don't want to be um in even fellowship with God at all um, they get what they want at the end of the day. So the people of God, they get to be with God forever and ever, and the people who chose uh, to not desire that get to be in a place where they don't, not only do they not see God, they not experience the, uh, ben- the indirect benefits, but they also get to deal with the absence of God in the sense of, like, they get to feel what the torment is going to be truly like if they choose to not follow God. And, um, while it's a hard teaching, it's one of those hard things to talk about, but it's a reality that, you know, there is a day coming. Um, Jesus talked about it. You know, the book of revelation talks about it, that there's a, there's a a line in the sand, so to speak. And that when that day comes, um, there will be judgment brought upon everyone um, who doesn't follow the Lord. And and while that's a that's a weighty topic, that's a hard topic, but the reality of it is it's there. It's in Scripture. Jesus talks about it. And, and this is one of those clear examples of where there's a separation between the good fish, the righteous fish, and the bad fish. I mean, there's no getting around it. There's no denying it unless you just pick and choose of Scripture and, and you know, say that this is of Jesus and this is not, but I mean, I mean at that point you're basically just picking and choosing what you like and what you don't like instead of actually adhering to what the Scripture actually says. So my encouragement is, although um, there are instances where it's hard um, maybe emotionally to think about those things, such as the separation uh, of the good fish to the the bad fish or the evil fish, but the reality of it, it's there. Um, Jesus talked about it. Jesus talked about um, these things, and he didn't shy away from it, and he didn't and he wasn't scared of talking about those things. And I think we as Christians, we do a disservice to people whenever we don't when we're afraid to talk about those things. Yes, it's a hard topic. Yes, it's something that we would wish wouldn't happen, but we're not God. We're not in control. And at the end of the day, everybody gets what they want. And it's like these people who are the evil fish or the bad people, whatever, um, they get what they want. They want a life without God. They want a world without God. Well, here you go. And here's the results of that. And there's consequences of that belief. Good
1: stuff, Zach. Um, to jump into uh, the first parable I have, we kind of had our own running theme with the two that we each chose. So to bounce on to mine, uh, it's actually a really similar theme to what Zach is going to. Uh, tonight we're both talking about the topic of judgment, which is one of the ickiest aspects of Christianity. Uh, the fact that you know the, the world is being held accountable to something above and beyond it that will actually bring it to judgment someday in every thought and deed. And so he's tackling it from the divine perspective. He did a, You did a phenomenal job talking about uh, the capturing of humanity as fish in a net, separating them one from another. Mine is a little bit similar, but instead of the divine side, I'm going to tackle judgment from the human perspective, uh, from the ground looking up rather than above looking down. And so to, the the one I actually chose is controversial from beginning to end. And when I say controversial, um, I mean uh, above and beyond normal controversy. Of course, every parable is controversial in the fact that, you know, what, uh, you know, did Jesus really say this? What does it mean? This one's controversial in the fact that some scholars actually don't really want to count this as a parable, so mine is a, a maybe kind of, sort of, possibly, perhaps, maybe not parable. But
2: <laughs> I like the way you describe that. Can you do it again?
1: Perhaps, maybe not, possibly, as is parable with uh, lots and lots of fine print. <laughs> but uh, the reason some people don't think it's a parable, it's not necessarily a story from beginning to end, so much as just an image that Jesus captures in the midst of his sermon. But I wanted to do it anyway, as though it was a parable inside with those who say so. And so what he's doing is he's giving a some uh, a sermon, very famous, uh, very cryptic, very eerie. It's known as the the Little Apocalypse. And the reason it is is because Jesus is asked, what will the end be like? And so he starts going through this sermon Describing some of the most famous descriptions of the apocalypse that you'll find uh, among uh, church people, sometimes among pop culture, if they've done any research into this. uh, Talking about wars, rumors of wars, um, you know, things rising up, uh, causing terror for the people of God. And in the middle of this, he actually uh, brings something up that is another point of controversy. Uh, The first point being, you know, is this even a parable technically? And then once he says what he has to say, then people wonder, well, what exactly does this mean? To the point where it's actually started its own little branch of theology. There's a subgroup that debates one of these verses as part of its uh, ammunition to debate one side or another. And what I'm talking about is that debate of, you know, will there be a rapture? What does that look like? And for those who are in full agreement of a rapture, the, the best way to describe it is being caught up with the Lord uh, for those who take it the most literally it's the belief that someday without warning those who believe in Christ now will vanish from the earth if you've ever seen or read left behind it's the most literal interpretation of the rapture you have access to
2: and, or there was also I think uh, maybe it was, it was before COVID hit there was a, uh, a bunch of people who would leave random like clothes like out and about, like imagine like it was a spoof on the rapture, and basically, like those people they would leave their clothes outside, like sit, like basically like they'd been called away, and like they were like being in the middle of doing something, say like walking their dog or something like that, and it was it was basically just making fun of the rapture, but that was kind of like uh, I won't say it' was like three or four years ago and it was basically pure mockery of the idea of there being a rapture. Wow. I didn't
1: even know about that to be honest. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. it wow. was it, I thought it was fairly popular, but I mean maybe it hit right before COVID and then COVID kind of stole the thunder of everything.
1: And then they just walk up to the clothes and kick it and go where was that guy's mask? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> went up with him. There's COVID up there too. But <laughs> but uh I'll go down this rabbit hole for five seconds. Why not? That A church needs to do that for people who are late. The <laughs> people who show up after service time, just fill the pews with pants and shirts. <laughs> just slip out and let the late people walk in. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> note to self, do that in five years. Long after uh, knowledge of this podcast is over with in case they... Uh, in theory. The dots.
2: Or there could be like by then there could be like over two hundred and some plus episodes and Ooh. we're rolling with it still. You never know. Maybe
1: we're on our third national <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season sixty seven of the of Act Podcast. Our grandchildren are here with us. But, <laughs> uh, but uh to rewind to where we were, uh the, the controversy of what the rapture will look like. Is there one? What would it look like? And the big debate is about whether there's a separate rapture where we get caught up that's separate from Jesus coming down for us. Um, but no matter what that looks like, uh, that whether there is one is another topic for another episode. But regardless of anyone's view on the topic, without a doubt, all Christians believe that Jesus is coming back to claim the world, and that is what matters. Now, the reason I rehash all of this is just to explain where all of this comes from to talk about Jesus' little mini parable in the middle of the little apocalypse, he actually paints the image of uh, two farmers or two women working next to the road. It says that two women will be working, two people will be out in the field working, and it says one will be caught and the other left. And he repeats that same phrase for both of those. So you have an image of two people in two different time uh, phases of life just going through the motions of the day. Uh, For us, it would be sitting at your computer in your office. Maybe it's driving that uh, UPS or FedEx truck to the next house. Uh, The milkman, as if that's modern anymore, will be (laughs) delivering that next 1950s bottle. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Yeah, the dog will be chasing the cars around. It'll just be another day, and then boom, everything will be as you never imagined it would. And that image of one person left and the other gone And it's a warning that, you know, the guy in the cubicle right next to you, the person in front of you in traffic, the little lady who got her ice cream right before you did at the shop, all these people are going to be left behind as you, assuming I'm speaking to believers, as uh, you are gone and they are left. And so people living side by side, like Zach said, separating those who know him from those who don't. (laughs) And uh, the real warning that Jesus gives in this, it's, a spooky image, he didn't just throw it out there to scare people. He didn't have a flashlight under his face around a campfire and make the disciples hug each other. <laughs> but what he did was he just gave a gentle warning because he actually compared this image to the days of Noah. And that's a huge, huge image. It's one thing that they're always doing in the New Testament. When they talk about the future judgment, they point back to the previous judgment. The judgment of fire is coming. The judgment of water is in the past, proving that God is capable of doing it. And Jesus is preaching this little apocalypse, and when he gives that little mini parable about being caught up, he actually says that when the time comes, when uh, the Son of Man himself comes to rule the world, to claim it for his own, when all these things, whatever they look like, whatever the timing is, whatever the interpretation is meant to be, When these things happen, it will be just like the days of Noah. And he actually paints the picture for them. He says, in Noah's day, these people, and by everybody in his generation, were going about their normal day, whatever that would have looked like for them. Farmers were growing their next crop. Uh, People were fattening up their cattle for the next fall. Uh, People were going to the temples and worshiping their idols. Uh, They were throwing stones and laughing at Noah for being the crazy man on the edge of town building a boat. And all of a sudden, it started to rain. And when they first saw it, they probably thought, well, here we go, just another rain. These crops are going to grow like crazy, and then the rain never stopped. And it kept going and going. And you can't help but wonder at what point did the average person in Noah's day begin to realize that this was Noah's prophecy unfolded, and by then it was way too late. And so Jesus' point was when the end comes, the world at large is not going to be looking for it. It's just going to be another Tuesday. And uh, I'm not prophesying it'll be on a Tuesday. I need to put that in the fine print. <laughs> it'll be an average day. Robert said
2: Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting
1: a new cult. We're going to throw a dart at the at the calendar, and that's the year that Jesus has come back. But uh, that's what all the others do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all the others do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did the mathematical equation, and it says <laughs> that in the year 2055. not <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: popularity to, popularity today, failure in ten years, Simpsons episode in twenty years. That's like the way cults go. But uh uh but in all seriousness, Jesus' warning and the great takeaway from this very, very short parable with a lot of build up is when the end comes, it's going to seem like any other time. You will not be looking for it unless you're actively looking for Jesus at all times. And so he's asking for those of you who don't know him, obviously, please come to faith in him while you have a chance to. The invitation is forever open until that, that curtain drops. And for those who do know him, us on this podcast, any other believers listening out there in the world, his, his plea is to always be on the watch. Always be ready to be caught up knowing that any task you put your hand to is meant to be for his glory. But anything you do put your hand to might not be finished. Because your hands might be gone before the task is done, and so is your focus going to be on the task, or is your focus going to be on the Maker of the world, whose glory you're supposed to be doing the task for? But, Preacher, uh, brother, well, Amen. But uh, that's that's my parable in a nutshell. Until I bounce back in a few minutes. <coughs> <sighs>
0: So we can probably at some point um, do a revelation episode because I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. But where do you two line up or which side do you fall? Because I have heard a few Christians Mm -hmm. who believe that the seven years tribulation kind of happens for everybody kind of before the rapture mm-hmm. which i always thought was kind of anti-biblical because i thought it was pretty clear in revelation like, right god's people are raptured up and then the seven years tribulation happens to those who are left behind but i was mm-hmm. surprised at how many christians actually believed that everybody who's left, whether Christians or not, will mm. go through that seven years yeah. if they're alive during that point. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, there, there's actually a number of different views. Uh, you even have something called mid trib, where like the uh, Christians will go through the first, was it three, three and, and, and a half, half years? years. And then when the serious stuff starts falling, that's whenever God calls us out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, me, personally, where I fall into it is I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I, the IDK takeaway. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, not to say that you should not have an answer, not to say that you shouldn't have a view, but I when it comes to the book of Revelation, I hold my interpretations loosely because they're my interpretations, and I want to be careful um, because so often... You know, you have someone that will straight up say, oh, well, you're a heretic because you believe in the rapture or you're a heretic because you don't believe in the rapture yeah. or you're a heretic because you don't believe in the. Mi-. I mean, there's so much conflict in, in that um, that debate. And, and, you know, again, you know, I don't want to um, say you shouldn't have a view um, I probably lean more to the um, classic view of God calls us out beforehand, but I'm not going to lose my salvation if we end up going through the tribulation. You know, whether it be three and a half years or the whole thing. I mean, I, 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 I just don't know, and and I feel like if you hold one of these views and that's fine you hold the view but at the same time you've got to be mindful of the fact that there's pro- there's people that are just as easily convinced that and and will be more passionate about how and and be able to point to the scriptures and say look you know the the mid-trib is biblical or the no no you know uh rapture view i mean I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to people and they have their a different view of as far as it goes and, and they'll sit there and they'll start quoting, you know, revelation and things like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to debate that. Cause I don't know. Yeah. Not to say that you can't know, but I, like I said, I, 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 I just, I don't know. And at the end of the day, my salvation is based on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, not whether or not I go through or don't go through a terrible events or, or not, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, he, Zach summed it up really well. Uh, for anyone who dares to take a view,
0: <laughs> you've
1: got to be willing to be wrong. Yeah, uh, if so, if for those of you out there who s- strongly believe that we will experience the tribulation, um, hopefully none of us will cuss out Jesus if we got caught up sooner than we expected. And then for those of us who are convinced that we will be caught up, if it ends up that we do end up going through the whole tribulation or part of it, or two weeks, and then you know I'll meet you at Denny's and we'll vanish through <laughs> ju- the jukebox. I mean, <laughs> any random way you want to go. Uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, affect your view of god if if you expected to miss it all and we end up for the whole circus yeah. hopefully that that won't be your take on god now i will say and i'm willing to side with Zach the the IDK camp um for me personally as long as i make it very clear this is my opinion and any random person could have a different opinion this is not gospel truth i'm not teaching so much as just sharing but my my voin- my, my personal belief is that we will miss the tribulation, whether that's a literal left-behind-esque rapture or something else occurs. It's possible, and I'm just speculating, I don't see this in scriptures per se, but it's possible that the whole church actually gets martyred by this point. Instead of a rapture, we could yeah. have a, a much bloodier rapture. I don't want one, but <laughs> I'd much rather just ride the sky like a roller coaster, squealing all the way up. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather. But
2: well, I mean, and, and it could even be you know, and this probably goes into the idea of there not being a rapture, but it could even be that slowly as time moves forward you know, the Christians become fewer and fewer and, fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and to the point where there actually is no one who is willing to convert period to the gospel. You oh know? yeah. And then God himself. Thought about that. Yeah, and, yeah. And God himself's like, all right, that's the last person mm. they've died. Whether it be martyrdom or what have you, yeah. but here comes the rapture. I mean, oh, yeah. here comes the judgment. Here comes the judgment. And,
1: To be honest, the main reasons for me personally believing we're getting out, other than the fact I simply don't want to experience it, (laughs) uh, but I I swear my my, my views are exegetical plus emotional, but uh, I I see a lot of evidence that the tribulation per se, as we know it, um, as we call it that, it seems to be purely judgment against those who do not know God. Now, there's evidence that some will be saved during the tribulation because they'll realize, holy cow, this is literally revelation. Those crazy people were right. (laughs) Those crazy nut jobs were right. But, uh, But for the majority, they've already sealed their own fate. It says again and again that God non-verbally begged them to repent by showing them sign after sign, literally wrecking their water, destroying the mountains. And they
2: blaspheme his name And they blaspheme
1: his name. It says the whole world shook their fist at him, so he kept it coming. And so, for one, I don't see the, speaking as someone who doesn't have the big picture, I personally don't see the logic in keeping us down here. If that's the intent, is to judge the world who doesn't know him, why would we be there for the ride? um also there 's no mention of the church at all once you get to the tribulation portion of revelation. no mention of the church whatsoever it 's we 're all over the place until the tribulation. No mention of the church whatsoever until the tribulation's over, and Jesus comes back and then boom, the church is here again and so you know unless we went back behind the curtain uh to use a metaphor for a play and then we 've come back up out on stage, I personally see that as more evidence of a tribula- uh a rapture of some kind.
2: But in in the and and not to not the do do poo poo on that, but at the same time I really hope not, <laughs> but at the same time you know you ha- you did have when God called uh, the Israelites and the Hebrew people out of Egypt, they did experience some of the the um, indirect effects mm-hmm. of oh, of those yep. uh, plagues. So it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility that maybe the Christians are there, but maybe these these creatures that are made to torment the people only torment the people who don't believe in God somehow and his way of doing things. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way he does things. Um <laughs> He he protects Christians from being attacked by these creatures that sting and make people want to curse God or what have you right. I mean because I think there's instances instances in the um uh, exodus where the the plagues are happening and there's one point where it's like complete darkness over the land of Egypt and yet somehow the Israelites have light and mm-hmm. and, um, and and maybe I'm I'm pretty sure that's in the scripture. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I didn't read that somewhere outside of That's the problem whenever you read a lot of fantasy stories it's like, it's that like was that was that numbers or or hitchhiker's <laughs> guide to the galaxy? <laughs> I need to do my homework, I oh don't know. But but to going back to that even if I'm am wrong about that reference there are at least instances like where the the water turned to blood where I mean clearly You know this happened, but yet the Jewish people weren't affected by those things. Mm -hmm. So it could be that we go through tribulation, but we ourselves don't actually experience the wrath of God because, because of Jesus, He has taken that punishment for us, and so we literally just are there, but like, you know, basically unharmed by the thing, by these events.
1: Oh yeah. And this isn't turning from a parable to a Revelation debate episode, but one final point for me, and I'm ready to move on to the parables again. But um, one thing to think about for anybody out there, the parable, well, it does kind of touch on parables, even though I have another one prepared, but Aha. I'm not even covering it. I'm just mentioning it. Parable, that, that
2: counts for three. No, I'm just kidding. Okay.
1: We'll do six. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the parable of the weeds, um, the good crop and the bad crop, and... The question is, you know, uh, plant owner, plantation owner. That's G- that's God. Why don't you yank up these weeds? They're destroying. They're they're ugly in the crop. And he and the literal answer was, I don't dare yank up these weeds lest I rustle up the good ones also. When the good ones are gone, then I'll wipe out the weeds. That's
0: a good point. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Boom. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's just something to think about as we close this. Now we could have a, a a much more detailed, longer discussion for an episode dedicated to Revelation,
2: but yeah, yes, we love taking detours on this show. That's, we we there's a rabbit trail. We're gonna run it, baby. We're gonna run it. Run it,
1: <laughs> scenic route. We we think like unedited books. Like we just let it go, and then whatever our word count was, we just throw it down. <laughs>
2: Throw it down and say, thus we have
1: completed the recording. Take the scenic route. Well, Tolkien did it and it became a masterpiece. I'll hold on to that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they went up the hill and they went over the hill and they went into the dell and the dell had a river Whew. and the river had trees beside it and there was oak trees and those oak trees were planted by this elf 3,000 years ago. I mean, here's a whole history of the elf. Three episodes,
1: Three pages later. And then Frodo woke up for his nap.
0: It's everything that tree experienced. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: A mo- modern author would just say, and they camped for the night. <laughs> the end. Next chapter. Tolkien goes, they camped for the night. And while they were cooking their beans, Aragorn told this detailed
2: story about the history <laughs> of so-and-so. <laughs> and you're like, for the love of all, it's good. I love this. But at the same time, just, just get on with it.
1: And you're like, wait, what's happening in the direct story? Oh, yeah, they've been camping.
2: Well, I mean, that goes back to the fact that, you know, it's like, how much has modern, like, TV had much influence on literature? I mean, because my goodness, I mean, you pick up some of these older books, like, you know, turn of the century, you know, whatever, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, Moby Dick, I cannot tell you how many times I have tried to read Moby Dick, the like the full thing. And I mean, I think I've even talked about this before. Like, I cannot complete that thing. There's a chapter dedicated to them going to look for a wheelbarrow. And I'm like, for the love of all, that's good. Really? A whole chapter dedicated to finding a wheelbarrow. Oh, yeah. And it's about that I give about that time I give up on the book. I'm just like, I'm done. And they haven't even haven't even got (laughs) off to the ocean yet to get to (laughs) the whale. It was
0: a really nice wheelbarrow.
2: Yeah, it must. Have, it must the have Rolls a, Royce of wheelbarrows. <laughs> and then, like, there was a uh, then there's also an instance where they go into the church and they give the sermon, and they literally t- like he gives a sermon in, and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see why there's
1: an abridged version of this. <laughs> this is spawning the idea for a new spinoff podcast where we read or discuss classic lit, but put snarky commentary to it. <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: Or we give our abridged version.
1: Of those books, ooh, mm. ooh, revenge, <laughs> the Count of Monte Crisco
2: Ah, uh, yeah, dude, I got uh, that's another one. Like the first part of that book, I got into, but then when it started getting to his goal of like, like, spending a million pounds just to do it, I was like, done. <laughs> you could have run off to Hawaii with that money,
1: sir. <laughs> lived a new life.
2: Yeah, it's like up until that point, I was I was with it, and then it got to that. And he went to the opera. And he came out of the opera. And then he went back into the opera. And you're like, for the love of all, it's good. Okay, let's move on. But again, <laughs> this was eighteen, sixteen, seventeen, 17, or whatever, whenever it was written. And it was their form of entertainment. So that's all they had. <laughs> sure. It's like, so what are we going to do? We're going to read this book. And after we read this book, we're going to switch pages, and we're going to read this other book over here. Right? Oh, yeah. and There was no <laughs> flipping channels. <laughs> no. No. One thing I've had it described to me
1: was that was their soap operas back in the day. You know? Yeah people during the day they'll turn tune in every day for 30 minutes and they have this slow-paced little story apparently back in the day they used to do that it was these stories were all published in the newspapers uh... Ah. So they would read their their daily or weekly chapter and so the wheelbarrow was just to give Herman Melville more time to think about where was actually headed from here. That makes sense. And keep his deadlines. And so I'm imagining it's a lot more tolerable when you pop that open once a day instead of I'm gonna sit here and read this <laughs> in one <laughs> sitting. And why? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Is you have these massive tomes because then they collected like every episode of the quote-unquote TV show in your mind. It's kind of like to buy The Count of Monte Crisco on the bookshelf. It's like buying the complete series of something on DVD, and you're like, how am I going to tear through 65 seasons of TV in one sitting? And You binge it until you're sore, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes forever. <laughs> but
2: Yeah, that's not really the parables. <laughs> it's not, but it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. We still can go to parables. <laughs> Okay. Classic
1: lit are stories, and parables are stories. Therefore, we will tell parables <laughs> that are stories much older than Herman Melville's Moby Dick and a lot more contingent with itself. And go. <coughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so. Je-
1: Jesus knew how to keep it sweet and simple.
2: <laughs> Amen. He certainly did. No wheelbarrows. <laughs> no wheelbarrows. Okay, so my next parable <laughs> is the wedding feast. Um, and basically, it starts off like just like how many other parables – talks about the kingdom of heaven maybe compared to a king who had a wedding feast um, and he invited all these people and for one reason or another they couldn't make it and then he sent out his workers again saying hey look I have prepared this huge feast for you you know come and and enjoy join me and let's have this fellowship and and this time of celebration and again they just say nope we're too busy and they have you know excuses and some of them actually treat some of the servants badly um um instead of actually listening to what um the king said so to speak they instead decided to um treat the servants harshly and so at this point the king gets fed up and he's like all right all these people who were supposed to come didn't come. They paid no attention to me. So he basically sent his troops in and had them all slaughter all these people. Um, and then after that happens, he then sends out his, uh, servants again to go collect anybody and everybody who's, um, not worthy, but just bring them in. And, um, invite anybody and everybody you can find. So basically the the servants go out and they find the good people and they find both bad people. And basically the wedding hall was filled with guests, which is what the, the, the king was originally trying to do. He was trying to have a huge party and the people that it was meant for said, nope, we're not coming. And then he goes and says, all right, slaughter them and then go fill the guest house with these other people and so the servants go out and they collect everybody anybody who's on the side of the street whoever whenever what have you and so as the wedding uh banquet is going on the kind of like the king or the master approaches this one um uh man who has no wedding garment on basically kind of like he wasn't set like the king's made it plain like this is what this is for. We're gonna have a banquet. We're gonna have a ma- uh, wedding banquet. It's gonna be, it's gonna be the greatest thing you've ever seen. the Greatest thing you've ever been. And this guy was like not prepared at all. And so the king comes up to him. and He's like, "Friend, what are you doing? Why are you dressed like this instead of dressed in, you know, pre- as uh prepared for a wedding or what have you?" And basically, the the man was speechless. And um, the king said, "Bind him and throw him in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth." And so, an interpretation of that, so sort of, uh, of that story, basically kind of follows that God intended, you know, uh, heaven for the for the, for people such as the Jewish people because historically they've been His chosen people, but. They decided that they had their own thing. they wanted to follow the law instead of follow god and and so God's like, "Okay, fine, whatever I'm going to find anybody and everybody who's willing to come will just follow me and and so basically, that represents you know us as believers believing the gospel, and then there's also people who don't believe the gospel and then they get exposed to the judgment of God, and he's essentially saying, "Like, friend, why are you here? You're not prepared for this um, uh, feast. You in other words, you're not prepared for this banquet. You're not prepared for this judgment. What, you know, why aren't you prepared? Kind of like asking the question of someone who wasn't a believer: What have you done with yourself? And and they're basically not able to give any sort of account because God is the righteous judge." And they have no standing, no excuse, and then God's like, "Okay, well, you, you depart from me. You never knew me, and so to speak." And so that was basically judgment falling upon this individual, kind of pi- the picture of um, people um, refusing to believe the gospel and thinking that they can be right standing with God by, by sidestepping Jesus and. That's not the case. That's not. The, Jesus is our, our uh, quote-unquote wedding garment. He is what prepares us for the wedding. He's what makes us ready for the wedding, so to speak. And for us to not have that, um, uh, I guess, garment or protection, then the whole wrath of God is still upon you, so to speak, if that makes sense.
1: Good stuff, good stuff. And so to my knowledge... Uh, this wasn't intentionally planned. It might be a God thing, but my final parable is very, very similar. It, obviously not the same parable. I hope you don't notice, but uh, it is very similar, though different. Um, I'm doing something known as the Parable of the Ten Virgins. And what s- mo- many scholars believe is that uh, these were ten young women who uh, their virginity is only vaguely necessary in the story. Uh, the, the term could refer to just young women but many scholars believe that they were there for a wedding procession and it says that there were 10 young women with 10 lamps, uh, one lamp per woman and possibly their intention was to be part of the the ceremony, the ritual in by providing light th- uh, for the ceremony either in a line or around the room but it says that these 10 women were waiting for the bridegroom and they're waiting for him to come up. And he doesn't show up exactly when they expect him to. He keeps he keeps away. He hasn't shown up yet. He takes a long time. And five, and, it's, and Jesus refers to them as the five foolish women and the five wise women. The foolish women did not have enough oil to keep waiting for the bridegroom as long as they did. And the wise women had plenty of oil in their own lamps. And so when the oil goes out. The foolish women run off, rush over to the, the wise women and ask, can, you know, is there any chance we could borrow that oil? We really needed to have more than we thought we would. We weren't really prepared. And the wise women actually say, no, we, we brought this for ourselves. We had the opportunity to prepare, and we took it. If you take it now, there's a chance we, ours will run out, and we don't want to be hurt because of uh, the the poor decisions you yourself have made. So what they decided to do was they had no choice. but They had to go out and they had to buy more oil before the bridegroom got back. So they ran off from their post. They were standing by the door that the wedding ceremony would be taking place inside of. And they ran off to the shop hoping that maybe just maybe the bridegroom would hold off for 20 more minutes. And they go and try to buy more oil in town. And while they are gone, the bridegroom shows up. Now this all plays out kind of like a grim fairy tale. The bridegroom shows up. He sees the five wise women who had plenty of oil to stay at their posts. And he lines them up and he says that it's time for the wedding ceremony to happen now with or without the rest. And so they go in and it says that the door closed. And that's a very ominous sentence in Jesus's parable. Because once that door closes, it's closed to everybody who wants to come in later. And so the foolish women show up with the oil after it's too late and they find the door closed and they bang on the door begging the bridegroom to let them into the wedding the ceremony's already begun he's not going to stop and reverse it and he simply says no be gone I don't have any more need of you Uh, the way Jesus says it is I do not know you and that's a very chilling thing to hear from the God of the universe now if you've heard this before or if you're familiar with the direction of Jesus parables you already know where this is going but obviously the bridegroom is Christ he is missing from us now. We're waiting for him to come back. When he comes back to this earth, the wedding ceremony will take place. And wedding ceremony is uh, another revelation metaphor to pull revelation into this again. But <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> another 30-minute tangent, but uh, no. Um, it's just a metaphor for the fact that the church will rejoin its king and basically celebrate life with him in heaven before he remakes the earth. And so... The idea of the wise and foolish women, the wise women represent the, represent those who are on their guard. They're prepared. They they know what it means to wait and watch for Christ, what it means to live a godly life, wait for him to arrive. If he comes in 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 years, or 10 centuries, they're ready. The foolish women were those who assumed too much, that they would have plenty of time, that things would go Differently they jump to conclusions and the reason they missed him is because they weren't prepared as they should have been And so the point the whole point of this parable from Jesus is that uh, Those who know that he's coming those who've been called and are uh, and or uh, call themselves his followers Must be prepared to meet him when that time comes and spiritual preparedness uh, are things like being alert um, You know staying on your toes making sure that no day is wasted Uh, Being sober minded Sober minded Staying in prayer Keeping uh, a watch on missions opportunities Not letting yourself slip into any pattern of life As if you totally forgot he was coming at all Mm -hmm. And there are times in our lives when that can be tempting But he's calling us all to be like those wise women Who had plenty of oil in their lamps They were ready ready to go when he was ready to go And the key to that is simply being ready at all times So that when he does show up we were watch, uh, watching at our posts as we should have been, and we won't have any reason to be ashamed when we see him.
2: Well, I mean, in it, really, in, in some ways, it's kind of like just like in the same aspect of like in the days of Noah. I mean, you had the, the wise man who heard from God and listened to what God said. You know, God revealed to Noah that this is what's going to happen, and Noah acted according based to what God had said. Now let's fast forward. God has said that the book of Revelation will happen. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour. It's not our place to know. It's that's mm-hmm. that's literally God's God's realm, not ours. And um but he tells us to be mindful that one day whether it's a rapture, what have you, the end's coming. Judgment's coming. There'll be a day when that door is shut, like kind of mm-hmm. like the the parable of the the, the ten virgins or what have you and also kind of like how you know you know god literally sealed the door in the days of noah and then the flood came i mean there was judgment on that in that aspect of it too in that you know god said that the flood was coming and everybody who believed him was in noah's family and everybody who didn't was outside of that and they didn't trust and they didn't believe God and therefore the judgment came upon them. Mhm. That's true. But uh that
1: lands the plane with my parable.
2: And the plane has landed.
1: Landed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not a plane landing, but you know, hey
1: but those four taken together, they have a lot to say about the topics of judgment, preparedness, mm-hmm. uh, be s- wakeful
2: all at all times, mm-hmm. be mindful of the po- the possibility. I mean, let's say there is a rapture; it could happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to uh, again, again, yeah, I, again, <laughs> again, not to not to quote Robert earlier about the false prophecy or anything false like that. Prophecy. But, uh, but, I mean, it could happen. Or, you know, if, if the rapture's mid trip, who knows? What have you? I mean, who knows? I mean, we thought a couple of years ago um, things wouldn't be the way they are now. And then, like, all of a sudden you have, you know, COVID, and then you have places that wouldn't allow you to go inside unless you were vaccinated and things like that. And you think that um, maybe one day there won't be something that comes into effect where you don't have to have the mark of the beast. I mean, to either buy, sell, or trade doesn't seem quite so far-fetched as it used to. Uh, not to, not to get off on this tangent, but it's like, if you would have talked to me back in 2007, 2008, and said, and, you know, asked me, it's like, do I believe Revelation could happen in my lifetime? I'd been like, there's always the possibility, but I don't see it happening. But now it's like how evil is good and good is evil and 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 celebrated. Not only is it evil uh, known, but it's also celebrated. And, and all these things are, it's, it's, it's so easy to see the book of Revelation unfolding. <coughs> I mean, in the next couple of years. I mean, we didn't think that there'd ever be, you know, any kind of, War with Russia or anything like we wouldn't even be on the table. But then all of a sudden, Russia invades Ukraine. It's like, how in the world? What? 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 But how <laughs> quickly can the world just further degrade, and how quickly can things just change? Challenge
1: accepted. I mean, today of all things, on the, the day we're recording for the superstitious types, today is Monday the thirteenth, which has absolutely no significance. I just wanted to talk. <laughs> But sorry, <laughs> yes, but yeah, <laughs> when you least expect it, the day will come.
0: Well, let me ask you this so, for listeners who might be brand new Christians or still on the fence, mm-hmm. so going back to the parable of the wise women with the lamps. What does that look like in the modern era? Like, what could, what would we be doing to always be prepared and at our post?
1: Ooh, good. Yeah, that's a good, good one. I would say that the modern idea of that for believers, um, let's assume, just for the sake of interpreting this and applying this to this podcast, that all the women represent believers. Um, personally, I think the, the foolish women were probably people who weren't. Believers, if you want to take it to the harshest level, you know the door is closed to heaven. But if you're a believer, even if you're caught, uh, let's just—it's a common expression, so I'll say it—caught with your pants down. Jesus came, you didn't, weren't ready. I still believe you'd be saved by the skin of your teeth. Uh, But to really be watchful, I would say it's staying consistent with your place of ministry, whatever that looks like. Um, Take. Breaks don't burn out, but always staying consistently plugged in. For those who are believers, uh, perhaps you—it's it. What it would look like to not be diligent would probably be uh, fed up with something that you know, anything that kind of disturbs you about uh, church culture. You're discouraged because of some of the hypocrisy in the church. You're fed up because of some of the uh, political. Arenas, you're around you, regardless of whatever side of that you're on. And for any reason, you decide to take a break and not a healthy break. I'm not talking about a sabbatical. I'm talking about just walking away from it, uh, not engaging with the church in a time such as this, not willing to be a witness for Christ in a time such as this. Uh, people everywhere wondering if they have any kind of purpose, wondering where in the world all this is headed. Um, I've heard reports about the depression that have hit since the pandemic came. Mm-hmm and yet you could have been that voice that told them there is a purpose to this life and you weren't willing to do it. Stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and, and I would echo that and agree with that and even go so far as to say, you know what, and, and, it, cause it's, it, and it's, it's so easy to justify not being involved in a church, but that is the idea of diligence because at least being focused on a gospel-centered church. Let me put it to you that way. <laughs> a church that is focused on being out in the mission field for God, loving God, and encouraging others to love God and and share that truth. That's that's where we show ourselves. That's, that is where God has called us to be until the, the rapture, is being involved with a church, is being involved in ministries, is being involved in in um in people's lives and loving in them and caring for them and and sometimes loving them to the point where you actually have to disagree with them where you don't actually just condone what they do you actually say hey you know you know i'm 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 a christian and i don't support this idea and be willing to be called whatever because you choose to side with god instead of choosing to side with man um, but I'd say that that's, I mean, that that's an example of being aware, being mindful, because that's what God's called us to. God's called us to be in incorporate, I mean, worship with one another, to be that iron that sharpens iron, to help a brother in Christ, to help, <coughs> excuse me, a sister in Christ. Um, you know, praying for those people who, that you might disagree with, you know whether it be p- politics it be religion what have you but you're willing to show the love of god to them and where they fall on that spectrum on that end is up to them that's their decision but you've got you got to stand firm you've got to hold fast to what god has proclaimed and that means you know, being involved in a in a church, being involved with in ministries, like Robert was saying. That is the idea of being watchful, being awake, because at any point in time God can show up and, and say, What have you been up to? You know? And let's even get so wild and crazy and say it's not about the rapture. But at any point all of us could pass away. Any of us could die at any point. We could get in a car accident. We can get have a heart attack. I mean unseen some sort of unseen element that we didn't even know we had, get COVID and pass away. There's numerous opportunities where we might, you know, today might be our last day on this planet. And next thing you know, we stand before a holy God. And he's like, what what have you been doing? You know, well, you know, God, I meant to get involved in church and I meant to do all this stuff because you called me to it, but I really just didn't. You know, and that's that's the example of someone who's had the options to do the things that they know they should have done, but they chose not to. And what would you say to God, to if if He was to stand before you and say, "What are you doing for My Kingdom right now? Or what are you doing for Me right now?" Mm-hmm. You you say you love Me, you call yourself My disciple. <clears throat> Where is your love for other people? Being even willing to. Face that ridicule because you stand outside and say I don't believe that's right, or I believe this is right, or what have you. Yeah. Uh,
1: one quick little thing. Uh, unless Zach has anything else to, no, you're good, buddy. I, I, I didn't want to say the term land the plane, and then you have something more to say. Let me land the plane. <laughs> but um, I have a name in my mind, and I won't say it over the airwaves because privacy. But um, I'm just saying I, I have a name in my mind, a specific example of someone I worked with just recently. And um, without giving too much detail, I went from one department to another, and my last couple of weeks in the old department, um, I ran into a new employee, and, uh, you know, he he didn't give any indication that he was a believer at all, his language, his mannerisms, and I hate to say it, but he became the kind of guy, I I was friendly to him, but I kind of wanted to avoid him, because it was kind of chaotic when he was around, and, Long story short, we both shocked each other because we both went to the same Bible college. I was shocked that he had ever gone and he was shocked that he ran into another student. And he seemed a little embarrassed about the things he had said, the jokes he told when he found out. But uh, my whole point in doing this, uh, bringing this up, talking about being diligent, being ready, you never know what's coming. This guy seemed healthy as a horse. Um, He was the last person I worked with in the old department. My last day, it was me and him one on one alone. I go over to the new department and a couple of weeks into the new department, we got an email that this person had passed away from COVID. Mm. And so I, I don't know if he was saved and backslidden. I don't know if he had never truly been saved or I can't speculate any of it, but he did say that he'd been struggling with some of those things. And That's what made him kind of bounce out. He ended up dropping out of this Bible college. He never finished, but he had been talking to me about the possibility of maybe going back. But the whole point being, I'm convinced that for some reason or other, either to save him, bring his mind to it one more time or something, I don't believe he ran into a fellow student from that particular school during the last weeks of his life, and he had no idea that those days were coming. Mm. I don't think that was coincidence. I really don't but uh just talking about this the last you know three four five minutes brought this person to my mind and you know it can happen at any time if mm-hmm. you're willing to be used mm-hmm. and you know my shame in the story is that you know my rea- knee-jerk reaction was to try to avoid this person i was like oh great here he comes mm-hmm. he's going to start dropping all this disgusting humor and it, it's just uh i i uh, but in hindsight i wish i had spent a little more time with him engaged him a little more than i had and you know we all have that opportunity and the the thing is we don't know which side of the fence we're on mm-hmm. we're going to be the the person used or we could be the person on the way out mm-hmm. and either way are we willing to trust in christ and are we willing to stay diligent to watch for him when he does come
2: with the uh, with the um kind of like uh The five wise women with the um, uh, lamps with oil.
1: Yeah. If I'd let my oil run out, I may have never had that conversation with him at all. We may have never gotten to the point of discovering, oh, we went to the same place. Mm -hmm. We have roots. Mm -hmm. If I had kept avoiding him completely, that conversation would have never happened. And I just, you know, ask God's forgiveness that I didn't have more to give in hindsight. But that could be any of us. And Jesus warned us. Yep. These times are going to come. It's yep. easy to talk about it, rant about it for an hour, mm-hmm. preach it, and then live it, it is a whole different ballgame.
2: Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Well, what can our listeners look forward for next episode?
1: Next episode, we're going to dip into Bible stories. We're going to be um, act podcast around the campfire, eating beans nice. in the dark, telling stories but uh,
2: Eating beans, n- probably not a good thing.
1: <laughs> but they won't necessarily be spooky stories, uh, not ghost stories. But how about oh, s'mores? S'mores, yes. I want s'more of the Bible. But, uh, <laughs> that was too cheesy,
0: <laughs> but it works. Cut I like it. Hey, we're cutting your mic off right?
2: <laughs> to the da- to the dad joke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh goodness! But anyway. Uh, what our point is, <laughs> we will get to it eventually. If we keep shooting, we'll hit it. But uh, <laughs> uh, what Unless your, we're stormtroopers. Then ship. we'll never hit anything. Never hit anything. <laughs> but uh, what we're getting at is next next time we're going to be going down the route of Bible stories you may not have ever heard before. Everyone, uh, Practically everyone has heard of Daniel and the Lion's Den, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, Jonah and the Whale. How about some stories that you will never hear in Sunday school? Woo! Freaky stuff, but very real life stuff. Very raunchy. Not in the like sense of being filthy, but very raunchy, very hard stuff that's sometimes a very little really weird, really chaotic, really off the wall. But
0: they're in the God's word for a reason. Amen. Oh, I'm excited.
2: Excited.
0: Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, we definitely uh, appreciate everyone listening um again if you want to interact with us definitely go to our facebook page the achieving christian thought uh podcast um on our facebook visit our website theactpod.com and uh yeah drop us a message uh we'd love to interact with you so uh with that thank you zach thank you robert and we we'll you see everyone on the next episode yeah. so see ya